You know, it's funny, I don't know if it's because we just want to encourage people. I don't know if it's because we're just trying to make people feel better about whatever situation it is they're in. I, I, I don't know if we think, man, let's just give people hope, even if it's false hope. But it's amazing to me the things that I've heard people say are phrases I've heard people use in the name of God. Things that sound really good. Things that, matter of fact, when you post them, post them on social media, people will like them like crazy. The problem is they sound good, but they're things that God never said. Things like this, man. How about this? Boy, I'm sorry for your loss. Heaven just needed another angel. Sounds great. Boy, Granny's up in heaven. She's got wings. She's flying around with her bow and arrow. She's just an angel in heaven. But you'll find that nowhere in the Bible. Money is the root of all evil. Anybody ever heard that? Money's the root of all evil. We've indoctrinated people to think that money's bad. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. I'm a big fan of money. I like a roof over my head. I like to eat. Trust me, you like the fact that I can afford clothes. But we just say things. I've heard so many people say this, and I've dealt with this situation so many times as a pastor, and I always hate it because it's not the time that I want to be getting deep in theology, but someone will take their own life, and the parents will come to me and say, man, I've heard that suicide keeps you from going to heaven. God never said that. If it feels good, do it. Sounds great. Been guilty of that in my life a time or two. But God never said that. I'm actually going to address this one during this series. It doesn't, especially in the day of wokeism, it doesn't matter what you believe. The problem with that is things that are different are not the same. So, if I believe this and you believe that and they believe this, we can't all be right. I know that's hard in the, in the participation trophy day that we live in. We talked about this one last week. God will never give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. We broke it down in the Bible last week where it was a lie. God will give you more than you can handle, so you have to depend on God. They're all cute. They're all meant to uplift. But God never said that. We are now the theology of picture quotes. Tradition, we have passed them down for so long that these sayings, that though they sound good, we attribute them to God and we attribute them to the Bible, and people put their faith in these sayings. But God never said that. Today we're going to talk about what may be the most popular misbelief 
about God there is, and I'm going to do my best to break it down for you. I'm going to do my best to talk about it because I, I got to be real honest with you. If there's any misbelief that I want to believe, it's this one. If there's any misbelief that I want to embrace because of the way I'm wired, it's this one. The problem is God never said it in the context that we use it. And if we're going to live our lives biblically, we have to understand how God intended things to be. If you want to live your life with purpose, if you want to live your life with joy, if you want to live your life with fulfillment, there's God's way and there's our way. And very rarely does our way and God's way line up. I know you're not like this, but I am. They say confession is good for the soul, it's bad for the ego. I tend to want to do what I want to do whether God likes it or not. I tend to live by the philosophy, and it's never really worked out well for me, that I'll ask for forgiveness over permission. I tend to bought into this lie that I'm about to give you that we're going to address today, and it has literally affected me emotionally because I'm always trying to achieve what we're talking about here today because I don't understand where the true foundation of it comes from. Probably the biggest lie that the church buys into today, and I think it has so much to do with the preachers that we see on television today, because, man, we've got a lot of people today who want to tell you all the great things and not tell you what it takes to get to those great things. They put a sales pitch on salvation. Man, if you accept God, you'll never have a problem again. Life will be great. You'll be so blessed, and you will be blessed, but we're going to break down what that means today. But the biggest lie that we buy into that God never said is very simply this. God wants you happy. How many of you like to be happy? Man, I love to be happy. I'm not fun to be around when I'm not happy. I, lo- I would love with all of my heart, to be able to tell you that the most important thing to God is your happiness. Above all else, above everything there is, God wants you happy in life. God never wants anything bad to happen to you. He never wants you to have a bad day. He never wants you to go through the valley. He never wants you to deal with the funk. He never wants you to have to deal with things that bring you not happy. He wants you happy. I wish I could say that. The problem is I can't say it because God never said that. The fact of the matter is I could even take Scripture out of context and make a case for God wants you happy. I could go to Psalms 97 and say, may all who are godly be happy. I mean, that's a happy verse right there. It, it reminds me of, cause I'm happy. I don't know the rest of the song. But you, that's just a happy song. Like you can't hear that song and not be happy. Even the most miserable people in the world, northerners, would hear that song and be happy. 
because it's a happy song. Like that's what pops into my head when I think of happiness. But the problem is I think it's one of the biggest cultural mistakes that we make when it comes to our belief in God. We believe, and don't miss how I'm about to word this, we believe that above all else, God wants you happy. You say, what's wrong with that belief system? Well, the problem with that belief system is there's a chain reaction to everything you believe. So if we believe one thing, it leads to another belief. And when you begin to believe misbeliefs, you go down a road of misbelief. And you'll never find, don't miss this, you'll never find true happiness until you understand what happiness is. You'll never understand and you'll never find true happiness. Oh, no, I'm going to break this down for you. You'll never find fulfillment from God if you think the only thing God wants for you is to be happy. The theology of happiness is an important is an important theology because it literally dictates so much of our life. If we live with the mindset, we're going to get a little deeper than normal today. I hope you stay with me. I hope at the end it all makes sense. Listen, listen. If I begin with the belief that God's supreme goal for me is happiness, here's some of the things that I start to do. Number one, I begin to do this. Whatever makes me happy must be right, and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. So if I believe that God's supreme goal in my life is to be happy, then I begin to have the mindset that whatever makes me happy must be right. Whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. Cheryl Crow sang about this. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. I didn't want to sing that one for you. If it makes you happy. Don't ever challenge me, Tom Hunt. Listen. If we believe that God's supreme goal in our life is for us to be happy, then number one, whatever makes me happy must be right. There's a lot of things that bring me happiness, because don't miss this, happiness is temporary, that are not good for me. An entire cheesecake would make me happy. (laughs) Just saying. Whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. The second thing is this. Discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, inconveniences, and obstacles can't be God's will. If God's purpose in my life, supreme purpose, is for me to be happy then anything that makes me not happy is not God's will, so therefore I will never experience discomfort in life. I will never experience delay. I will never experience risk, suffering, inconvenience. I'll never deal with obstacles in my life. If something isn't going right, then it must not be God's will. The first time my marriage is not going right, this must not be God's will. The first time my job isn't going how I want it to go, it must not be God's will for me. This is the North American theology on happiness. Because we think that God's sole purpose in life is to bring us happiness. 
It can't be God's will if we're not happy because we would never suffer following Christ. The problem is it doesn't line up with this book. People suffer throughout this book. You go over to China and you tell the Christians who are literally living in fear of their lives for following Christ that they'll never experience discomfort. We're a spoiled nation. And we have adapted our theology to the mindset of being spoiled. My car broke down. God's will to get a new one. I was at the Chevron this week. Went to crank my car. Click. 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 I was like, okay, I'm going to put it in neutral. and I'm going to push it out of the way because I'm going to have a gas pump. Wouldn't go out of park. It's frozen. I call Christine. After I call Christine, though, I call David Booth, who owns Schottenkirk. I don't tell David Booth that my car's broke down first. I said, hey, you got any duallys up there? Now, listen, I pull nothing, but I want a dually. Just always wanted one. I want it jacked up. It's overcompensation for other areas of my life. I just want it. And he said, well, yeah, we just got a bunch of new ones. I said, I'm probably going to need one. He said, you're going to need one? Why? I said, my truck won't start. He said, what's it doing? I said, it won't even go into gear. He said, I want you to get out of the car while you're on the phone with me. Now lock the doors. So I go to lock the doors, and the horn goes, burp. He goes, was that your horn? So that's my horn. He said, your battery's dead. He said, I'll be there in a minute. But immediately, man, discomfort. I would rather go buy a $70,000, $80,000 truck than a $200 battery. That makes sense to me. It brings me joy. Going to buy a battery didn't bring me joy. It made me sad. And you would think Christine would be the voice of reason. You know what her answer was? Get the payments close to the same. I don't care what you buy. That is not what I need to hear in that moment. It was a reverse psychology. She knew I couldn't get the payments the same. Discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, obstacles. They can't be God's will if all God wants from me is to be happy. Third thing about the theology of God only wants me happy is this, and don't miss this. Number three, without knowing it, we begin to worship the false God of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. If above all else God just wants me happy, what brings me happiness is things. What brings me happiness is comfort. What brings me happiness is how much money is in my bank account. The problem simply is if we believe that above all else, God wants us happy, this is where we miss out, suddenly we're forced to believe that God exists to serve us. New truck brings me happiness, God. Genie in a bottle make it happen. I'm going to repeat that. If what we believe above all else is God wants us happy, Suddenly, we're forced to believe that God exists to serve us. And don't miss this. God does not exist to serve us. We were created to serve him. 
We exist to serve him. If God is there to make me happy, suddenly what we have done, without even realizing that we have done it, we have taken the creator, the sustainer of the universe, the holy one, and we have dwindled him down to a cosmic Coke machine. Basically, if I put my money in the machine, I press the button, I've done my part, by law, it's now time for the machine to give me what I want. That's what we do to God. God wants me happy. I went to church. God wants me happy. I threw something in the offering plate. God wants me happy. I served. Now I'm going to put in my order. And he gives me what I want that makes me happy. He exists to serve me. We reduce God down to some formula. God, I said my prayers. God, I went to church. God, I tried to do good things. Therefore, I tried not to do bad things. I gave a little money in the offering plate. God, it was only a couple of bucks because you know I had to go eat afterwards, but I threw a little something, something in there for you. God, I dodged my neighbor's cat when I was in my car today and didn't run over it. God, I've done all these good things. Let me remind you what I've done for you. These headaches should be going away, God. God, I should be getting that dream house. Have you you forgot what I did for you? God, I put my money in. I pressed the button. Therefore, God, you should do what I want to do. See, we think God exists to make us happy. At the darkest days of my life, when I was in the deepest sin of my life, don't miss this. I lived by this mindset, God wanted me happy. And because I believed God wanted me happy, I justified my sin that God was allowing me to do it. Don't miss this height of arrogance. It was 13 years ago. Because look at all that I'm doing for him. Thousands of people are showing up every Sunday. Look what I'm doing. Hundreds of people are getting baptized. Look what I'm doing. I'm traveling the country teaching pastors how to do the same thing I'm doing. Look at me. God wants me happy, so he's allowing me to do X. That's the problem with the theology of God only wants me happy. We think God owes us something. Let me make this as clear to you as I can be. God owes you nothing. God sent his son to die on the cross for your sins, and you didn't deserve that. We didn't deserve that. But for God so loved the world that he did it. We think God owes us something. And here's the tragedy of this misbelief. So many people end up walking away from God for completely wrong reasons because of wrong beliefs. How many times have you heard this? I tried church and it didn't make me any happier. God didn't give me what I needed. I tried religion and I tried the God thing. I even served one Sunday a month and I still had problems. I read the Bible for a while, it didn't make my cancer go away. My kids are still in rebellion. I tried the God thing. I rubbed the genie in the bottle. 
I did what I thought I was supposed to do, but I thought God wanted me to be happy. My marriage is still in shambles. I'm not any better off financially. I tried religion and it didn't work. See, the problem is, is if you believe God exists to make you happy and then you're not happy, it forces you to believe that God failed you. But God didn't fail you. Your belief system was wrong. God doesn't exist for our happiness. God doesn't exist to worship us. We exist to worship him. Now that I've depressed you all and told you that God doesn't want you to be happy, I do want to make this clear. I do believe God delights in our happiness. I believe it brings him joy as it brings any parent joy to see their children happy. But our happiness is not his top priority. Let me give you an example. Our youngest daughter went through this when she was about seven years old. She had a place in her life at that time that she wanted to go. The place she wanted to go was around friends and family. And it made her happy to go to this place. As her bonus dad... And as her mom, we want her to be happy. It brings us joy to see her happy. But at that time in her life, the place she wanted to go to and the person she wanted to see created an unsafe environment for her to be there. So while it made her happy to be there, Suddenly, her happiness was not our top priority. She didn't understand what was best for her at that time. Did we love to see her happy? Yes. Did we do everything we could to make her happy? Yes. Did we hate when she was not happy? Yes. But did her happiness come over her safety? Hell no. And if that offended you, then you've you've lost a bigger picture. It's the way it is with us. God delights in our happiness. God wants us happy. He's a good, good father. He doesn't delight in us being not happy. But there's situations that we occur where our happiness is God is not God's top priority because God has a bigger plan in store. God delights in our happiness, but God wanting us to be happy is not his priority. It's not our justification to do whatever we want. I'm just not happy in my marriage. Let me educate you on marriage. How many of you have been married five years? At least five years. Raise your hands, raise your hands, raise your hands. You've been married 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Let's just skip to the chase. Who has been married the longest here? 30 years? 40 years, 50 years, 41 years, 42 years. Who's preaching, me or you? Did I get to 45 yet? You just lost the thing. Richard, stand up for a minute. Richard, how long have you been married? 43 years. 
Have you ever been angry at her? Thank you. You can be seated. Have you? <laughs> we just gonna move on. A smart man, that, gentleman. Notice how he didn't answer. He answered without answering. <laughs> There's gonna be times that life is tough, but if we use our happiness, I have been married to Christine coming up on nine years, ten years, nine years, eight years, long time. Seems like yesterday. Seems like yesterday that we only had that side of the building and we were doing a back-to-school thing and me and Christine were sneaking over here where she could kiss me. That's the kind of pastor you got right there. Say it. And in eight years, there's been some times I ain't been happy with her. I know it's shocking. There's been long periods of time that I haven't been happy with her. That if it makes me happy as God's top priority, I wasn't happy. So based on that logic, I could have left. I know you're going to find this shocking, but there's been times she wasn't happy with me. I think as recently as yesterday. We got out of the car, there was trash in the truck. She said, will you clean out this trash? I said, well, first of all, it's my truck, so why do I got to clean it out? I don't mind the trash. She said, clean the trash out. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, do not throw that trash like that in the big trash can. Put it in a bag first. I guess I heard it. It didn't register. So I lifted up the lid and threw it in there. All of a sudden, she's storming through the house, pouting. Man, I'm like, what are you mad about? I asked you not to do something. You did it intentionally. But the moment she wasn't liking me to it, she wasn't happy with me. So glad that she didn't use that as an excuse to leave. I'm not happy. I'm out. It seems extreme, don't it? But that's what we do. I'm just not happy. Here's the problem. God's number one priority is not your happiness. God isn't even interested in us pursuing happiness. Because happiness is fleeting. What brings you happiness today might not bring you happiness tomorrow. How many of you start a new job and you love that job the first day? Ten years in, you hate that job. Pursuing happiness is like trying to grab water. It's impossible. God's not interested in us pursuing happiness. God is interested in us pursuing Him. As we pursue Him... A byproduct of that is true happiness. Because we learn where happiness comes from and what happiness is. What I want to do is I want to kind of break down some of that. I want to dispel with you some of the biggest and most dangerous myths about God only wants me happy. And then we're going to get out of here. And in the process, if you understand these concepts, if you understand these principles, you begin to enact these principles. I'm telling you, it will change your life in the area of happiness. 
You'll move from craving happiness to experiencing true joy. Happiness comes and goes. A year and a half ago, we bought a new home. It made me happy. A year and a half into that home, it still makes me happy. Don't miss that. But now there's things that have to be fixed in that home. It's lost that new home smell, if you will. And I love it. But it doesn't bring me the same level of happiness it did a year and a half ago. Two and a half years ago, I bought that truck. I love that truck. It's everything I need. It's great for my job. But it doesn't bring me the same happiness it did when I first got it. When I first got it, you couldn't drink in it like the first two hours. Bubba washed it this week and cleaned it. had that new car smell again. For a brief moment, I was happy. Then I pulled out of my neighborhood where it had been raining and the road is washed out because I live on 20 because I'm stupid. And I had to go through the dirt and it looked like it hadn't been washed. I no longer felt that happiness. So you're fighting a futile battle, pursuing happiness. We should pursue God. So when doesn't God want us happy? God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. God just wants me happy. No, God delights in your happiness. But God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. So many people do something that they believe is going to make them happy. We're going to enjoy this, yet what you're actually doing is you're sinning. And the Bible says for him to know it, do good and do it not, it is sin. It brings you temporary happiness. I was talking to a family recently who was going through some very tough financial times. I mean bad financial times. I think we're about to enter in a period where we see more and more of that. Yet in the midst of these horrible times, money being tight, he decided it was a good idea to go buy his wife a new automobile. After all, she'd always wanted one. She deserved a new automobile. He bought the car. Four months in, that car was a straw that broke the camel's back in their finances. They ended up filing bankruptcy. They were so upside down, they had no other choice, and I'll never forget what he told me. He said, man, I should have never bought that car. But I just wanted to see her happy. And then he said, I'll be paying for that decision for years to come. You think God gave two rips about her getting a new car? See, God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something unwise. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 1.15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Notice what that verse says. It says God's called us to be holy. It never mentions that God called us to be happy. It's not what it says. Yet practically, that's how so many of us want to live. We want to live pursuing happiness. The Bible teaches us that God called us to be holy. We're to live a life that is set apart in everything we do. Yet we believe God wants us happy. That God's number one priority is happiness. 
So we end up doing all the wrong things and all the unwise things in this pursuit of happiness only to come up lacking. I recently dealt with a couple who went through a divorce. I hated to hear it. Loved this couple. I know the pain of divorce. Even in a bad marriage, divorce is painful. I know how it affects everyone around. I also understand divorce happens. It's part of life. But I asked him when I said, man, what went wrong? And he said, man, I just wasn't happy. Well, duh, you're married. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But here's what you need to realize. Two different people doing life together is work. Marriage is hard. You're not always going to be happy. The truth of the matter was he had met someone else who made him happy. She made him happy until he was hers. And she realized, man... It was a lot different when I was sneaking around with him for 30 minutes. He didn't leave his dirty underwear on the floor. He didn't expect me to do everything. I didn't have to communicate with him all the time. I didn't have to do life with him, and six months later, she left him. He was no longer happy. We pursue happiness, and we don't realize that happiness is temporary. God doesn't care about your happiness when it leads to us doing something that's wrong and unwise. I could go on and on and on giving examples of this. But so many of us base decisions on what, man, I'm just drinking. It's the only time I'm happy. Why are you happy? I just forget about all the stuff that's wrong in my life. Maybe then you sober up. And the problems are still there. My son went off to college two weeks ago. We're going to see him today for the first time. He moved away. Friday he had a party to go to, and Saturday miraculously he had a headache. Just been stressed. I must be really stressful to be in college. That hasn't even started yet. That you're not paying for. Away from mom and dad. He had to forget about things for a moment. And he woke up and those things were still there and now he's got a headache on top of him. You want that cake. Notice I didn't say that piece of cake. You want that whole cake. It might bring you happiness for a moment, that sugar rush, but you're going to pay for it later. I can't tell you how many people I've seen that hate their job can't stay in their job. I know a guy recently had three kids under the age of five. He said, I hated my job so much, I went in and I quit today. I said, oh, man, cool. He said, you got something else lined up? Not yet. Just wasn't making me happy. You've got responsibilities. You've got obligations. I'm not saying don't quit your job, but to go in and quit your job seems a little stupid. Did you tell him that? Yeah, I told him that. 
because he needed to hear it. What should I do? I said, you should go back and get that job until you can find another job. The list goes on and on and on. We think God wants us happy. God's not worried about our happiness when it leads us to doing something wrong. I just think God wouldn't want me living like this. How do you know how God wants you living? God wants you living holy. And when you're living life holy, pursuing God, you're living a life of purpose. God never promised it would be easy. That's the myth that we live in. We think life is easy. Life is hard. It's called life. You live many lives in your lifetime. And there will be mountaintop experiences and valley experiences. There will be days when you're happy and there will be days when you're not happy. It doesn't matter if you don't have two pennies to rub together, you have millions of dollars. You will experience unhappiness. It doesn't matter if you have the worst marriage in the world or the best marriage in the world, you will experience unhappiness. But in those times, we don't need to make decisions that bring us temporary happiness if they're wrong and unwise. God doesn't want you happy when it's based solely on the things of this world. All God cares about is my happiness. Well, not when it's based solely on the things of this world. Because, again, we're pursuing God. It's amazing if you watch secular advertising what you need in life to be happy. One night of late night television watching the commercials, I learned the three things I needed to be happy. I needed a blanket with holes in it, a Snuggie. That would bring me happiness. I needed this miracle lotion that would make me look 22 years younger. And I needed to buy and sell property so I'd be able to buy a yacht and have chicks all around me on the yacht. That was what every commercial was at late night. I was wandering aimless, and I had no purpose. All of a sudden, I started buying real estate. And now, look at me on my yacht. I'm in. I'm up at 3 o'clock in the morning watching TV because my life's so miserable. You know what would make you happy? Put this lotion on your face. You're unhappy because of the wrinkles. It's funny. I've never seen a beer commercial with someone getting a DUI. I've never seen a liquor commercial with someone that's hung over. I've never seen an alcohol commercial with someone at a rat hole bar and a fight breaking out. But boy, man, beer just makes it better. It's amazing. I've never seen a dessert commercial with an obese person in it. Like they just ate four pieces of cake and are like a size 28 waist in men's jeans. It's amazing. Hollywood shows all these things that we need. But God is, doesn't want you happy when it's based solely on the things of the world. The world says better possessions, newer, faster, shinier, bigger, plus peaceful circumstances. The absence of conflict. There's going to be conflict in this world. Oh, it's like people say, man, your life just seems like drama. It is. It's called life. If you're living a drama-free life, then you're living the life of a hermit. 
I'm the pastor of Action Church. There's drama. I deal with cities every day of my life, so it's all political. There's drama. I'm married to a cope. There's drama. And let's just be honest, I insert myself into it, so there's drama. But yeah, man, life is full of drama. I just had no, if I just had more money, I'd be happy. You've heard me share these stats before. They asked the guy who made 50000 a year how much he needed to make to be happy. He said 100000 They asked the person who made 100000 They said, what do you need to be happy? They said, man, if I just made 250000 They asked the person who made 250000 what would it take for you to be happy? Man, if I just made half a million a year, I'd be happy. They asked the person who made half a million a year. He said, if I just made two million a year, I'd be happy. What's the lesson? The lesson is things don't make us happy. We're looking for happiness in the wrong things. It's funny, the older I get, the simpler things make me happy. Christine and I talk about it all the time. We can't wait till the day comes when we're in a position just to go buy some land, throw a trailer on it, and just live a simple life. No Highway 20. No craziness. Just a simple life. Last night, we got really wild. We went to Luke's football game, went and ate lunch, went to a movie. We were both in bed by 8.30. It was amazing. I woke up today, and there was no drama last night. There was no hangover last night. I remember every single thing I did last night. God doesn't want you happy when it's based solely on the things of this world. The problem is when your life is based on happiness, your life is based on happenings. And happenings change. That's why no one's really happy. Our job brings us joy and our job's taken from us. The money in our account brings us joy and suddenly they shut down the country and all of a sudden all you got is the money in your bank account. Your home brings you joy and the market crashes. Life happens. So when your happiness depends on happenings, happenings change. So you'll never be happy. That's why no one can be happy all the time. Because life is changing all the time. It's unrealistic. It's not real. It's like when you go to a place. Anybody like sushi? I learned a long time ago, do not go to dollar sushi night. Don't go to dollar sushi night. Ordered a crab roll, bit into it, it didn't taste right. I found out it was imitation crab. They don't give you real crab for a dollar. We're buying imitation life if I just buy this, if I own this, if I can just reach that level. If I could just get to where so-and-so is in life. The problem is, you don't know what so-and-so is dealing with to get there. You've based your happiness on the perception that everyone else is giving on social media 
You're comparing your marriage to a fake marriage. Let me give you an education real quick. Marriage is hard. We know this couple. They broke up. Broke up to the point that she called the police on him and blah, 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 blah. And it was ugly. We don't know them well. We just know them. But we know a lot of people who know them. I guess they're back together now. Guess what? I don't give two rips if they're back together. But everyone's like, what do you think about so-and-so? Here's what I think about it. It's none of my business. Because I don't know what so-and-so's been through, just like they don't know what we've been through. You only know about mine and Christine's marriage that I let you know about mine and Christine's marriage. I don't get on Facebook every time she's mean to me (laughs) and tell the world. I don't get on Facebook and tell you every time she's in the wrong. She's not being nice. She's not being sweet. That she's not cleaning the house or throwing things at me or putting radiator fluid in my food. I don't tell you all those times. You only see what I see. You see the the selfie at the movie. You don't know about six years ago when we were court fighting for our kid and didn't have the money to go to the movie. You don't know about the times we started out and we didn't have two pennies to rub together. We only see what we want people to see, but the problem is we're all comparing to everybody's best. God just wants me happy. I just want to be like them. They're not happy all the time. Kathy Knight, where are you at? Kathy, Doug's a good man, ain't he? Everybody loves Doug. Doug can get out of line every now and then, right? He can make you mad every now and then, right? Uh Uh-huh. Right. At least once a day. The world says if you get so we see we're a world full of imitation crab. <laughs> Boy, I just want to be like so and so. You see that new car they got? Mm-hmm. I happen to know that so and so's car payment is twelve hundred and thirty dollars a month. Is that what you want? It's a nice car. I don't want the note to go with it. Everybody looks good. I always say, I actually met with someone this last week, and their, their job in life is to help you build your brand. And they said, man, what kind of brand do you think? I said, here's what kind of brand I want. I want the average man brand. Show them you can be successful. I don't need to sit on a Lamborghini to feel good about myself. I don't need Cabo to feel good about myself. Give me the Redneck Riviera, baby. I'm happy. Beach is the beach. And I'm not anti-Cabo, man. If I could afford it, I'd go to it. But if I'm waiting on Cabo to make me happy, I'm probably never going to be happy. If I'm waiting on an $85,000 truck to make me happy, I'm going to stick with the $31,000 truck I bought and still complain about that payment every month. Things don't bring us happiness. The world's standard of happiness doesn't mean anything to me. I've learned to pursue God, and what God puts in my path makes me happy. The Bible says this in 1 John. Do not love the world 
or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but of the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. God does not want you above all else to be happy when it causes you to do the wrong thing or something unwise. God does not want you happy when it's only based on things of this world. Where'd you get them two points from, Gary? Right there. Bible's complicated, huh? God does not want you above all else to be happy when it causes you to do wrong things or unwise. God does not want you to be happy if it's only based on the things of this world. God's highest calling for you is not your happiness. God does not want you happy as much as he wants you blessed. God has something far better than happiness. He wants you blessed. Happiness is based on happenings. Blessed life is based on God's goodness and God's presence. I want to live a blessed life, not a happy life. The Greek word translated for blessed literally means supremely blessed. It means, literally, it means this. Here's what blessed means in the original language. It means more than happy. God wants you blessed. I'm blessed in my marriage. In the good things and the bad things, the bad things made us stronger. I'm blessed in the midst of adversity. He wants you blessed. Doesn't mean everything's going to be great. Doesn't mean you're not going to deal with sickness. It doesn't mean you're not going to deal with heartache. But we don't find joy in those things. The problem is, most people hear the word blessing and think money, perfect health. That's not what a blessed life is. When God wants you blessed, it doesn't mean you're not going to have a bad day. And oh, by the way, very rarely do you have a bad day. You have a bad moment that you turn into a bad day. It doesn't mean your car is not going to break down at the Chevron gas station. It doesn't mean you're not going to get a zip before prom. What it does mean being blessed means you will experience the goodness of God in the midst of those things. In the midst of difficulty. In the midst of your marriage falling apart. In the midst of sickness. In the midst of disease. In the midst of financial burdens. You will experience this peace that passes understanding. Knowing that it's going to be alright. Because you're blessed. You don't know how you're going to get through it. But you're going to get through it. Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. You can bank on it. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank. That's a promise. He says, you will have trouble. He says, but take heart. He said, I have overcome the world. You don't live life as a victim. You live life as a victor because the one who's overcome the world lives inside of you. He's he's taken you through the mess. He's taken you through the misery because he's preparing you for your greatest ministry. I don't understand why you went through it. I don't understand why you're having those health issues. I don't understand why your marriage went through that period. I don't understand why you went through that desert experience. I don't know why God camped you out in the valley for a long time, but he put you there preparing you for ministry. He's going to bring something along. He's going to put you in the midst of something that you're only able to minister to someone who's there. They won't be able to come to me because I haven't been there, done that, have those scars. 
God wants to be active in the pain-filled life. That's blessing. God wants you living a blessed life, not a happy life. The supernatural peace of God. (laughs) That's the blessed life. Today, some of you are in the middle of the storm. But you have that peace. You can't describe it. You know why? Because the Bible says the peace that passes all understanding doesn't make sense. But it's God blessing you. I told you when COVID hit and I lost everything, I was in a, like, no, and I'm not giving a sob story, but I was in the event business. No business was affected more during COVID than the event business. We were deemed unessential. And I freaked out for about three days. And then we just had peace. God blessed us more during that time than any time we've ever had. He reminded me over and over and over that he was God. You're in the middle of a trial. You didn't even choose to be in that trial right now. You don't feel like you have what it takes to go on. Your happiness is zapped. Quit pursuing happiness and pursue God. You pursue God during that time, and he'll bring around peace and blessing. I've been through enough trials, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. But I am who I am today because Christ conformed me in his image during those times. If you've ever dealt with clay, you've ever dealt with metal, or you've ever dealt with anything that you have to mold, you have to heat it up to be able to shape it and mold it. So the times where the heat's the most in our life that God's shaping us, My wife sent me something this week, and it said, boy, nothing grows, nothing blossoms that doesn't go through the dirt. Sometimes you've got to go through the dirt to bloom. That's the problem. We don't want the dirt. We just want the bud. Yvonne can't even get stoned without dirt. That weed's got to go through the dirt. Someone said, you're talking about weed. I just said, hey, God made it. Do not take that as I smoke it. Because I obey the laws of the land. Because that's what God said to me. He said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar. How in the world did y'all get this message sidetracked into weed? Yvonne and her grandson is here. I hate this church. (laughs) If God wanted us happy, he just gave me a a normal church. (laughs) It'd be the same issues that you guys had, but they would just fake it and hide it better. Let me tell you, you know most churches, they're just as crazy. They just hide it. They don't want the pastor to know those things. Y'all just got your crazy out on the front porch. Bible says, and I'm done, Psalm 37, 4, take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. When we pursue God, he gives us the desires of our heart. (laughs) Don't miss this, though. But as you delight in the Lord, 
your desires will change. You think if you delight in the Lord, he's going to give you a million dollars. If you're delighting in the Lord, you won't need a million dollars. Oh, man, if I follow God, he's going to give me this big, rich house. He might, but he might not because as you pursue God, you, you don't need that big, nice house. Just like everyone else, all I want to do is grow up and have more than my parents had. We bought this current house, and I felt like I had arrived. I remember looking at Chris and said, man, we've arrived. We worked hard for that house. And it's funny now, year and a half in, how much we, tell about, we talk about selling that house and moving on from that house. Because while we love the house, it's just a house. We could be just as happy in a tiny home. That's this big house, and we live in two rooms basically all the time anyway. We could be just as happy in a single wide trailer. Those things, it doesn't matter. Because as we pursue God and we delight in God, my desires have changed. What I want out of life has changed. Now I want what God wants for my life. I moved to Canton to start the biggest church around, and I did. I lost that church because I wasn't pursuing God. Now I pursue God. I can give two rips how big the church is. My pastor friends are coming. How many people did you? I said, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't care. Because here's the deal. If three of you show up, we still going to have church. I preached just as hard during COVID when there was 30 of you showing up as I do now. Bible says we're two or more gathered in my name. He should be in the midst of them. I know my wife's going to be here, and they might not want to be here, but my kids are going to be here. And Kylie's going to be here because no one else will have him. And Bubba's going to be here. That's the key to having people here, just find people that no one else wants. See, as you delight, oh, this is good. As you delight in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart because your desires become his desires. We're not delighting in the Lord. We're pursuing happiness when we should be pursuing holiness. We should be pursuing God. Living the life that God, and that doesn't mean the church's version of pursuing God. You get up and have your devotion every day, and you spend time in prayer, and you're in church every week, and you serve. And you, those are man-made things. Pursuing God is pursuing Him like you, like, like you did when you pursued your spouse, man. You're putting Him at the forefront of everything. You're running your filter through the God filter. You are getting in His Word. You're, you're saturating your mind with the things of God, and as you delight in the Lord, He gives you the desires of your heart, but your desires are going to change because they become his desires and then you'll know happiness unlike any happiness you've ever experienced before because it won't be happiness, it'll be biblical joy. Our desires become his desires. Suddenly I'm enjoying God. He's shaping me. He's forming me. He's showing me what matters. Max Licata told this story, and I'm going to be done. He's a famous author, pastor of the church in Texas. He told this story. I'm going to kind of make it my own. He said, if you take a fish out of water and you put it on the beach, fish is on the beach, would the fish be happy? 
Mm-mm. Take a fish down to the water. Put him on the beach. Give him a comfortable chair. Give him a drink. Give him a big wad of cash. Give him a Playfish magazine. Is that fish going to be happy? Oh, look at that tail on that fish. No. Are those gills fake or real? Don't matter. The fish ain't going to be happy. You know why the fish won't be happy? It wasn't created for the beach. You ready? You ready? Don't miss this. We weren't created for this world. We're in this world because of sin. This ain't our home. We're just passing through. The Bible says to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. The Bible says to live as Christ, but to die as gain. We gain everything. This is not our home. You might not ever experience happiness here because God had a purpose for you here. And you probably experienced more happiness than you realized. But this isn't our home. We're not living for here. We're living for eternity. You can have the Playfish magazine all day long. It's not going to bring you happiness because we weren't made for this world. You were created for heaven. Earth is but a blip. The Bible says, what is our life? It is but a vapor. Someone vapes, they spit it out and it goes away. We're here to serve him. We're here to draw people to him. We're here to live out his mission in our life. We need to start learning, God, I'm not concerned about my happiness. I'm concerned about my holiness. I'm pursuing you. Instead of asking God to bless us with this, this, and this, we need to say, God, give us a blessed life. Guide me, lead me. Let me delight in you where my desires are your desires. See, we ask God to get involved in what we're doing instead of asking God, God, help us get involved in what you're doing. God, I'm going to go over here and do this. I want you to bless it. How about God, I don't, I, make me aware of where you're moving and put me in the middle of it. God wants me happy. <laughs> he does, but it's not his top priority. God never said that. Let's pray.